Yo, yo, yo! Welcome into the Fantasy Bros NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, and joining me here in a sec is baby Jake. Jake, what do you got for the people, man? I got your audio. I'm just getting your video to come join us. Come join us. Get my ugly mug ready for the people. Why, thank you. That's right. Good, man. Ready to attack this uh, Thanksgiving slate while I'm getting... My stomach's stuffed on Thursday with all the good eats. Everyone, oh, make sure man. to wear your stretchy pants Thursday. You tell them, dude. And uh, we're, uh, we actually are going to have a pretty fun and unique little Thanksgiving. We're going down to my wife's brother and sisters in Kansas City. Baby Jake's joining along, too. When I married into the family, they got Jake, too, I guess. Gain two brothers. That's right. That'll be a good time, though. Good people, good food, good time. All right. For those of you watching the video here, you should be able to see baby Jake's ugly mug. All right, man. So, yeah, Thanksgiving tomorrow. We are going to look at the spreads and totals for the three games tomorrow and then look at the player models, talk about some guys that jump out at us, and we might even make a little lineup here since that is kind of our M.O., so with that said, you know, before we jump into anything, make sure you guys like the video, subscribe to the page, hit the bell, and let's see what we got going on with the lines and spreads. Jake, why don't you start us off, man? I got to get your video into this window as well. So why don't you start us off at the top? Right on. Uh, first game on the slate, we got Chicago at Detroit. I'm sure everyone can guess this one ain't going to be a barn burner. Not anticipating it anyway. We got Chicago at 22.5 implied and 19.5 implied points for the uh, spread there. The live total right now is at a whopping 42 points, maybe an all-time low for any game so far this year. I believe Detroit is playing their backup quarterback still, and Chicago is playing their backup quarterback, whichever way you want to look at it. I'd say Andy Dalton is getting the start, and Detroit's quarterback, I think, is Boyle. I don't even know his first name. Timothy. Timothy Boyle, okay. There we go. Don't even really need to worry about playing him. (laughs) That is what we're going to start off with, though, Mike. For those guys, really considering the lines, per usual, every week, I think the only guy we keep reiterating on their squad is DeAndre Swift. TJ Hawkinson could be a guy as well you want to look at, maybe for a tight end pass-catching position, but DeAndre Swift's really been the only guy getting it done that been booming on a weekly basis. And then Chicago, you also have, I believe their starting receiver still is out, Allen Robinson. So Darnell Mooney might be a good play. He uh, ended up, I think, with 20 points this past week. Cole Komet was the guy that we were on. We talked about last week. He ended up being a bust, so I believe he only got 2.2 points or something last week for fantasy. Not a lot going on there. Um, David Montgomery is back, though, so he's a good find there for Chicago. He is their workhorse back. He's established himself ever since he's been back. Herbert's kind of taking to the back seat there. Yeah, and with this we'll being a, there, bro. Yeah, dude, I agree with everything you said. Everything. Yeah, two man, those are the plays. You know, these games, it's kind of easy to pick. You know, between these two teams, it's easy to pick which players are worth playing. So in this short uh, Thanksgiving slate, you know, we got to get a little different in some of these games. 
Obviously, you don't want to get too cute. You need to score more points than everyone else. But I think you could also have in consideration maybe someone like a Marquise Goodwin, you know, a big play threat, especially if Allen Robinson is still going to be out. I mean, he's cheap. He'll allow you to pay up to get the studs in some of the other games. And he's really only a player or two away from having a game breaker. You know, he's like the old Ted Ginn. He's like three catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Like, you know, that's his ceiling. Not many guys have that ceiling. So I think you have to consider playing guys like that in this slate. But, you know, if it were a typical slate, he wouldn't be in my player pool. Um, you know, I think you just have to get a little more creative. And then on the Detroit side, sort of the same thing. Cleef Raymond and Amonra St. Brown have separated themselves as the receivers in Detroit. Now, like Jake said, DeAndre Swift is their best playmaker, and he's going to get 20-plus touches. And then Hawkinson is probably their number one pass-catching option outside of Swift. But you're going to need to get a little different when you're building these lineups. So I think you could consider either of those guys as well, just as kind of some salary saves and to create some leverage. But otherwise, yeah, Jake nailed it. Low-scoring game, not really a game that we're going to want to be targeting this week. So that's, you know, maybe when you can get away with playing one of those guys, and that's what's going to be the difference between you and the other teams in your your contest. I think contest selection is really important this week as well. Yeah. Another play would be uh, either defense. With this one being Mm. such a low-scoring game, I think it's similar to what we thought last week with the Ravens and Bears game. You know, no one's projecting that to be a very high total since Lamar Jackson was out. And then what it ended up being, it was, I think they both scored under 20 points. It was like 16 to 13 or 16 yep. to 10, I want to say. And, you know, the I Cleveland Browns very defense were chalk. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns defense mm-hmm. were chalk. And you could have played the Ravens or Bears and scored just as many points. So that's a great point. Um, we'll take a look at the player models after we look at the lines and totals. I would be surprised if those you know, aren't going to be two of the heavier on defenses. But because it's a smaller slate and because DFS players are looking for leverage when it comes to defense, um, I don't think you can be afraid to play any of the defenses this week. You know, like, I'm just trying to think here. You might see all of them coming in at like 12 to 15 to 20% ownership. So, yeah, we'll take a look at that later. But that's a great point. Yeah, those are two great defenses to play on this slate just because of that game environment. So um, that about does it for this game, unless there's anything else you wanted to touch on here. Nope. Carry on. All right. So next up for the 430 game, we got the Raiders at Dallas. This is the highest scoring game of the week. It has moved. I mean, it opened with Dallas as 29 to 27 point favorites, and it's moved slightly. Um, Dallas is now projected 29 and a quarter, and Buffalo projected 26. So both teams over that 24 point threshold, and we're looking at um, what Raiders the line and is. Cowboys, bro. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Raiders 21 and three quarters, Dallas 29 and a quarter is the implied team point totals. So the Raiders are a little under 24, but that's this is still a high-scoring game environment. The game over-under is 51. So even with Dallas being 7.5-point favorites on a smaller slate like this, um, you still got to play some of those Raider guys. You know, you got to hope it's going to be a shootout. Derek Carr has been kind of popping in a lot of the lineups I've been running so far. So in this game, you know, with Dallas, I believe Amari is going to be missing again. We'll see how banged up CD is, if he's back or not. Zeke is always in play. You know, Dak is potentially 
maybe a fade in this game if Amari and CD are out. I mean, we saw that he couldn't get anything done against the Chiefs on Sunday without those weapons, and they might be able to rely on Zeke. They might not need Dak to do it. So depending on ownership, Dak might be someone I just fade this week and go the other way and play Carr and hoping that they're playing from behind, getting to a shootout. You pair him with Renfro. You pair him with Waller. And, you know, like I mentioned, maybe you start sprinkling in some Brian Edwards this week too just because it's a small slate. He is on the field all the time. He's running a ton of routes. They don't target him very often. But, you know, when you're on the field that much, like, I don't know. You just feel like the ball's got to go his way at some point. Or maybe you play Zay Jones, save some money. He's been kind of their big play threat off the bench. Um, on the Dallas side, yeah, I kind of touched on it. Zeke, if CD's in, CD's always a play. And then I think Dalton Schultz is a play this week with Amari Cooper. He's going to be out. Maybe even you play some Pollard. You know, they're uh, 7.5-point favorites. Maybe a lot of people are going to be on Zeke. We'll take a look at ownership, but Pollard might be a good leverage play too. He gets mixed into the offense, and he could see some garbage time if it turns into a blowout. Jake, what are your thoughts, man? You know, at Dallas, I'm not too high on the passing game with Amari and CD if they end up being out, which I think it's leaning towards that direction. For CD, yeah. especially Amari, I'm not sure. So I would like the run game. Uh, the Raiders haven't done well against the run either. I'm like, Joe Mason just had a monster game this last week, and they've given up a lot of points to running backs this whole year. So I would be keen on focusing on their run game this week for Dallas. Um, Tony Pollard or Zeke. Pollard, it seemed like this last week, they were mixing him in more when the receivers went down. He was getting some more looks out of the backfield for passes and whatnot. So I think that will be implemented this week as well. I think he'll get mixed in with a nice variety with those guys being injured. Raiders, let's say. Cars, he's always a good option, especially with them being underdogs in this game. You anticipate them throwing the ball. Him and Waller uh, made a lot of connections this past week, which was good to see. They've been kind of lacking the past few weeks before yeah. this uh, previous week. And then Renfro has been reliable for them. Um, Josh Jacobs had, I think, a mediocre game, so we could see him maybe popping off this week as well. Um, I'm not huge on Edwards just because I actually played him this last week in a lineup and he got me zero. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not either. I'm. It's just a usage thing. Real bummer. You know, you look and you see yes, that he, no, he's basically their wide receiver one. He's their X receiver. He's on the field all the time. And it's like, man, how can you be on the field that much, run that many routes and never catch a ball? Um, something else that just popped into mind, Foster Moreau. He got a touchdown this past weekend. I feel like Darren Waller is going to be the most heavily owned tight end on the slate probably by far. I mean, he might be coming in at like 30 35% ownership in most contests. So you could find some huge leverage by playing Foster Moreau, saving some money there. And then you'd be able to pay up and get some studs in other games. You could still play Hawkinson if you wanted to play one of those top-tier pass-catching tight ends. But that would give you the salary then to get up to play maybe like Stephon Diggs and CeeDee Lamb. And then you'd get different by playing Moreau instead of Waller. So, I don't know. We'll look at projections and ownership. I'm just, you know, throwing out some crazy ideas. Should we keep it moving here? Really, really galaxy brain in that one. (laughs) Yeah, well, it got to be different, man. Yeah. All right, so last game, yeah. man, the, the primetime game. We got Buffalo at New Orleans. Now, this one opened at uh, Buffalo being projected to score 27 and New Orleans 25, but that line has changed significantly. Now Buffalo's projected 26, and New Orleans has an implied team point total of 19.5. So it started just a, a two-point spread. Now it's all the way down to a six-and-a-half-point spread. And it's just becoming a lower and lower 
uh, total to open at 52. Now it's down to 45 and a half. So I don't know if that's because of the Camara news. I mean, I, I'm assuming he's going to be out again. Mark Ingram's popping in the models and you just expect, you know, if a team's point total drops that much, then a stud must've been ruled out since the totals were announced. So with them, Buffalo, as much as they pass, you can play literally any of their pass catchers. I would not touch any of their running backs. Not only do they use all three of them and Josh Allen, but New Orleans has a pretty good run defense. So with Buffalo, Josh Allen's going to be a stud, as he usually is. And then you compare him with Diggs, who has that blow-up potential. Or if you want to get different this week, which you should want to get different this week and every week, is maybe you play Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Dawson Knox. You could maybe even sprinkle in some Gabe Davis. Sort of the same thesis with these uh, other cheap big play receivers that I mentioned from the other teams. Guys that you wouldn't typically play on a normal slate that don't put up the consistent production. But I think Gabe Davis had over 100 yards two weeks ago. You know, he's got talent and he's a big play threat if they just mix him into the offense. So I think that's how you attack Buffalo, pass catchers, um, and then New Orleans. Mark Ingram's going to be a pretty heavily on running back on the slate. And after seeing what Jonathan Taylor did to Buffalo last week and seeing how New Orleans has no one else really in another weapons, you almost got to assume Mark Ingram's going to be a 40, 50% owned guy. Um, Troutman hurt his MCL. He's going to be missing, I think, like six weeks. So he might be done for the rest of the regular season, the rest of the DFS season. Receivers, Traquan Smith has kind of asserted himself as that wide receiver one just based on his routes and targets. And then Marquez Callaway is still a guy that people are going to be playing, but I don't know. It'll kind of come down to ownership and how much salary I have. You know, I'm not really looking to play Callaway. Jake, what are your thoughts on this one, man? Really like Josh Allen um, with how the Eagles versus Saints game went last week. It looks like the Saints defense is going to struggle against mobile quarterbacks, so I'm really keen on trying to pop Josh Allen into a lot of lineups. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, he's a great uh, option to double stack with, so picking maybe a couple of his pass-catching guys there, Beasley, Sanders, uh, Knox, or Diggs, of course. You get any of those guys in, all viable options to go you know, nuclear with uh, Allen. And yep. Saints, just like you were saying, Simeon's been spreading the ball, so it's hard to pick a pass catcher that's going to be reliable. With uh, Troutman out, though, I do like – uh, targeting uh, Juwan Johnson. I believe he's the backup. Great call. So he'd be a guy maybe that I would target because I'm thinking he's going to come in cheap this week. I haven't looked at – I can't remember his price. I looked at the models briefly yesterday, but – We'll pull him yeah, up here in a second. he's going to be fairly cheap. But, yeah, we'll take a look here in his tech. Um, I love that call, man. He he was – you know, early in the year he was catching touchdowns and he wasn't running as many routes as Troutman or getting targeted. I mean, they're getting targeted about the same amount. And so it really made you wonder, like, is this guy going to kind of take on more of a role as the season goes on? And that didn't end up being the case. It ended up going more to Troutman. But, yeah, dude, that's a great call. I mean, they've shown that they like to use him, especially near the the end zone. And that's really what you're looking for with cheap tight ends. So let's pull up the player models now and kind of run through those. Um, and this okay. game, too. I think a lot of people are going to be on, I mean, which typically is normal, whichever game has the highest spread, a lot of people want to play more guys from that game. And with this being the 45-and-a-half point uh, spread, I feel like if you put more pieces from this game, you'll get a little bit of variance compared to the rest of the field. Yeah, I think so too. And there's so many options on the Buffalo side. There's so many options. Some of these other teams have such narrow like player 
pools, I guess, whatever you want to call it, you know, options. Like, like we were saying with the Saints, Mark Ingram's going to be 50% owned. And then from there, it's like, do you want to throw a dart at Trey Corner Callaway? And with Dallas, you, you know, especially if Amari's out again, you play CeeDee Lamb, you play Schultz, you play Zeke. Um, Las Vegas, you got Allen, Waller, Renfro. Yeah, so all these teams, it's, it's very easy to see where the ownership's going to be. But with Buffalo, I mean – High upside, high ceiling for everybody. And so I think that the uh, ownership's going to be spread out pretty thin for them. So here we are. I got the models up. You got this window open, Jake? Yep. I, yeah, I got my models open. Cool. So this is just the Fantasy Lab projections. I haven't put together my aggregate projections yet where I blend the Fantasy Labs, Establish the Run, and Osmo projections. But still, this is going to give us a pretty good idea. So I'm going to sort things off the bat here by rating, or I mean ceiling, I'm sorry. It is sorted by rating. I'm going to try to at least. My mouse has been giving me some issues today. All right, there we go. Maybe. No, it's just not doing anything anyway. I, I can kind of scroll through here. So Lamar Jacks, <laughs> what do we even got going on here? What is this? Are you like? on the wrong slate? I don't think so. It says it's the correct slate, but Lamar Jackson's popping up for some reason. Let me see here. I mean, the models just love Lamar as much. Oh, there you go. They, they love him so much. Okay, Thursday. There we go. I don't know what was going on there. So Thursday we got, uh, with the ceiling projections, Josh Allen 35, and then all the way down – Prescott at 30, just under 32, and Derek Carr just above 30. And then you go down Dalton, 27, Simeon, 25, Boyle, 20. And then projected ownership, you can see that over here as well. It's kind of this, it's kind of spread out the same. You know, we've got Josh Allen coming in at just under 32%, Dak at 27, Carr at 20, and then a little jump down, Dalton, 14, Simeon, just under 5. And, I mean, you know, there's really no projected ownership for Timothy Boyle. So maybe you play Boyle. <laughs> maybe that's where you go. 4,800, throwing the cheapest <laughs> quarterback on the slate. Quarterbacks have the uh, least variance of any position. So if he's projected 11, he's got a ceiling of 20. He's, he's going to score somewhere between there, you can imagine. Um, and then you get all the salary to play the studs elsewhere. All right, Jake, tell me why I'm crazy, and that's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. Without a doubt, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He threw two interceptions <laughs> last week and didn't even break 200 yards passing. <laughs> There we go. See, that's why I got a co-host, someone with, to bring me back down to earth. <laughs> yeah, like you're you're going far off into the galaxy, man. Well, let's hear it, dude. Let's hear your thoughts on this, and then I'll maybe just comment on it. But how you how you I mean, approaching I'm sticking, this this slate? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough, like you're saying, a projected ownership. I think you have to stick with the top three guys. Like I'm exiting out Dalton, Boyle, and Simeon. I just don't want anything to do with them. I don't think they're going to get there. You got your top three quarterbacks, all projected ceiling above 30 points. Those are the guys I want to roll with. So there's just more options for them. It's, I mean, and Carr is not a horrible price. He's only at 5,900. Yeah. Which you're saving a lot of money. Like Josh Allen costs 1,900 more. And then Dak Prescott's 1,000 more. So I'm like, if, I'm that would really be a good play if you want to save some money. I'm, yeah, I'm shocked, actually, that Derek Carr isn't the most heavily projected owned quarterback on this slate. Like, shocked. I mean, 
You save mm-hmm. a grand to play him over Dak. You could save two grand to play him over Josh Allen, and he's easier to stack with. You know, typically when people feel like they have a more natural like inclination of who to stack with the quarterback, then they tend to boost the ownership of that quarterback. And with Carr, you play Renfro, you play Waller. And then they're playing Dallas, and yeah. you know that you know that on the Dallas side, Amari Cooper is going to be out with COVID, and CD's banged up, and they are what seven point underdogs. You bring it back with Zeke. If this was a normal slate, and you wanted to target that game, like that is just so obvious how you would play that. That's why I'm kind of surprised to see his ownership not higher here. So if that's the case, maybe I will play it that way. You know, I thought that that would just be by far and away the most heavily kind of owned stack and the most heavily on quarterback for sure. So, yeah, I love it, man. I'm totally on board. And, you know, kind of like how I was saying quarterback has the least amount of variance, and that's why, you know, I was being facetious, but you should play Boyle. But you kind of want to go the opposite. Since you know (laughs) that it has the least amount of variance, you want to lock in these guys that are guaranteed, you know, to get you these, you know, 20-plus projected, and they have this 30-plus ceiling. So, yeah, you're 100% right. Alan Prescott Carr, I'm limiting my player pool to that. With that said, should we bring it over to running back, or did you have any more comments on this? No, let's move on down. Just play Carr if you want money. If you want to go for the big show, play Josh Allen. That, yeah, there you go. And, you know, a lot of this Jake and I were talking before we hopped on the podcast. Um, you know, since it's a smaller slate, I think you also need to really, really take into consideration what kind of contest you're playing. Like, for instance, this week, I'm going to be playing less tournaments and getting into more small field multipliers. You know, I want to be going against, like, 50 people when it's such a small, tight, condensed um, slate like this versus trying to outsmart 4,000 people. And not even necessarily outsmart, but just be different. You know, like, to come up with unique lineups in those tournaments. Because if you're chopping it up with 10, 20 people, I mean, that's extremely low EV compared to what you'd be looking at in a normal slate where you could have a unique lineup. So that's just kind of my thought process. I haven't been doing this forever. You know, there's people that know a lot more than me when it comes to this stuff, but that's how I'm going to be approaching this slate. I'm, I'm going to make a couple cash lineup, you know, a couple lineups with the cash mentality, and then a couple really low ownership, high ceiling lineups. And I'm just going to sprinkle all those into a bunch of multipliers and we'll see how it shakes out. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is getting a feel for the slate, knowing which players you want to play, knowing where you want to get different, and why it's smart to get different in that way. But, yeah, contest selection is going to be big, too. Anyway, enough with that rant. Here I got the running backs pulled up. So, running backs, this is very unique to me. Um, I'm sorted by ceiling, and you can see at the top, you got Zeke, just under 24, DeAndre Swift, 23.5, David Montgomery, just under 22. And then a huge drop down, Josh Jacobs, 17, Ingram, 17. Another drop, Pollard, just under 15. And then another big drop, you got Moss, Drake, and Singletary all around 10. And then another big drop, and you got Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert, Matt Breida, and Tony Jones all under six projected ceiling points. But then we look over at projected ownership. Now, again, I just mentioned we have three guys that are projected 22 or more, and then there's a huge drop down to 18. But the ownership doesn't show that at all. The ownership, we have one, two, three, four five guys with above 35 projected ownership. And then you have Pollard at 15 and Drake at 12. So the ownership is spread out a lot over the running backs. And this is, uh, you know, the position with the second least amount of variance, you know, running backs get 
workhorse running backs especially, get 15 to 20-plus touches a game. So they have higher floors than receivers and tight ends. So typically with running backs, you don't need to be afraid of playing the chalk. But what's really surprising this week is it seems like there's three like guys head and shoulders above the rest of the pack, and they aren't necessarily coming in with that sort of ownership. What are your thoughts, though? Yeah, I'm kind of shocked to see, you know, the top top guy there that's projected for the highest. He's the fourth highest projected ownership. Yep. And, or no, fifth highest. It's like fifth. Yeah, that's a really good good move to you know counter to and get away from a lot of people. It's like go play Zeke. It and looks like a lot of but if so I was just gonna make the comment, you know, it looks like uh, a lot of people are getting off Zeke onto Pollard, like how we had mentioned, you know, thinking, hey, if everybody's gonna play mm-hmm. Zeke, you could get unique and play Pollard. But it looks like more people are having that mentality than I would have expected. I thought that was a sharp play, but it seems like everybody's just gonna be, you know, not everybody. Zeke's still thirty six percent owned. But yeah, like you said, the highest Scoring projection on the slate and the fifth highest ownership, that doesn't make sense, man. No, not at all. So I'm like, counter back. If, if the ownership ends up like this tomorrow, I'm playing Zeke, like no doubt about it. If he's going to be this low compared to everyone else and everybody wants to get on Tony Pollard even more, it's like, cool, go play him and I'll stick with Zeke and their pass catchers are out. It's like, I anticipate Zeke having a big day then if that's the case. Yep. Couldn't agree more, man. Um, anybody else here Mont- that you really Montgomery wanna... makes sense. I mean, yep. Montgomery, he's the highest projected own. Makes sense. He's coming in at 6K. He's one of the lower cost guys that is projected high there that we were talking through the top three between him, Swift, and Zeke. Um, Ingram, I feel like everyone's going to be on him. You know, like we were saying, he's one of the best options right now. He's coming in at 6,200, and then Josh Jacobs is another guy that is really cheap. He's only 5,900, but it'll just be tough to want to play him since the Raiders should be playing from behind, looking at the spread there. So I would maybe steer clear of Josh Jacobs. If you want to get different, though, you could check him out, but like he's projected ownership is higher than Zeke, so I just <laughs> I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me for what we feel like the game script's going to go, but... Maybe things will change tomorrow. We'll see. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more with all those takes, man. You get below that. Uh, I mean, I know it's a showdown slate, and you got a bit, got to get contrarian, but there's just no one down there that I really want to touch. Like, I guess Jamal Williams at the men's sal, you know, at 4K. Like, if you really needed to save money and really get different, he is coming in at 5% projected ownership. So he's coming in above Singletary and above Moss, but I, I don't I'm not probably not gonna play him. Like I don't want to play him. I'm just trying to throw something different out there, you know. Um mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Montgomery, that ownership kind of scares me because it just seems like the perfect play. He's actually cheaper than Ingram and Jacobs, and they're favorites. They'll be playing from ahead. You know, typically you target running backs on teams that are favorites. So he just seems like such an obvious pick. And I get why his ownership is up that much, but he still might just be too good of a player to fade. So, yeah, I think he's got to be in consideration. Let's keep it moving here. We'll get over to wide receiver. Wide receiver, we got Diggs and Gallup with the highest ceiling projections. twenty, Just under 25 for Diggs, just above 20 for Gallup. And then after that, you got Renfro at 19, and then a pretty decent drop, and you're down to Mooney, Wilson, 
Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith. Allen Robinson here actually does have a projection, so maybe they're expecting him to play. Let me see if I can pull something up. You want to talk about anybody here, Jake? Um, so for this one, like your Cowboys guys there, Gallup is projected the highest, I guess. But I don't know. I feel like it's tough to say with them. It seemed like they were trying to target him the ball more last game when CD was still in the game. And then like once CD was out, they started targeting all their other pass catchers at receiver between Cedric Wilson, Malik Turner, and Noah Brown. So I'm, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a huge guy with Michael Gallup. I just, it's hard to say. I mean, the Las Vegas secondary is pretty poor though. They, I mean, they've lost so many guys. They lost their uh, first round pick from the past three drafts or something. And one of them was Damon Arnett, their starting corner. So I'm like, they don't have a lot in the secondary. They have Abram, I guess, at safety, but he'll, he'll probably be matched up on a tight end more so than a receiver. He'd be locking down Schultz. So I like Renfro a lot. He gets tons of volume in the Raiders offense and fairly cheap price. Mike's at 5,600. He's cheaper than Gallup. He's cheaper than the next guy under Renfro there, Darnell Mooney. Um, Darnell Mooney, I like him if Allen Robinson's out. Mm-hmm. His price, though, is just getting – you know, it's getting up there more and more. He used to be around like 4,300, 4,500. And then once Allen Robinson got injured, he, uh, they kind of flip flopped. And then he went, his price got bumped. And then Robinson's dropped down now ever since like two weeks ago because Mooney's being targeted a little bit more than him. 13 um, this last week. 13 targets. For Seven. Mooney? Yeah. Yeah. He's in no, it's a lot of winning lineups. Yeah, I'll, this mm-hmm. next guy here, I'll jump in. I mean, I'm looking. We're sorted by ceiling. Cedric Wilson, um, essentially the same ceiling projection as Darnell Mooney, but then I look over here at price. Mooney, 5700 Cedric Wilson, 3500 You can save $2,200 and play a guy with similar ceiling projection and similar ownership. Wilson is coming in at 36 and Mooney's at 34 so I think that's a really interesting play there. You know, especially if Gallup is coming in at just under 50% owned, you could fade Gallup and you could play Cedric Wilson as a one-off piece. I don't know, just a thought. Or that could be your bring back. No, I'm you're going to play Derek Karstak. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm already seeing my lineup. Like Now that we're going through it, it's like I already know what I'm doing. Like If the ownership stays here, I'm like, I'm playing Ced Wilson. He's super cheap. And I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's. You need to look at ceiling, salary, projected ownership. Make yep. your moves based off that. And you typically will fare well. So I'm like, receiver, that position looks like the one this week to look for the cheaper options and then spend your money on your running backs. And quarterback, it's up to you. You can either go with a Josh Allen or a Dak, or you can save some money and go with the Derek Carr route. Yeah. Dude, I 100% agree with all that. I think – this is not the week to get cute with quarterback or running back. I think there's too many good receiver options here, cheap receiver options. And, you know, it's interesting. There's, like, so many of them that there's not really an obvious play. I'm looking over here at projected ownership. You know, I'd mentioned Marquise Goodwin earlier. He's coming in at 3,800, 11% ownership. Josh Reynolds, I didn't realize this. Josh Reynolds must have got traded to Detroit. Um, and he's coming in at the min salary. He's coming in at 11% oh, ownership. Yeah. 
You come up here, you got Cole Beasley, 4,500, 36% ownership. Deontay Harris, 18.5% ownership. Marquez Calloway down to 8%. Robinson, they're not even showing a projected ownership for him yet. I don't know if he'll play, though. You know, hamstring injury, it's usually not something you want to rush back from. But, yeah, you just go down the receiver list, and outside of Gallup and Diggs, you know, those guys are both just under 50%. You can really go any which way you want. Any way you want. So I think well, this like is where Gabe Davis we talked creative. about, and he's at point three. I'm like, yeah. he's just as much a viable threat as like. I mean, he's the same role as Marquise Goodwin. He's the exact same role. It's just a different dude. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and Gabe Davis is coming in two hundred dollars cheaper than Goodwin, and has a higher projection. So yeah, like a play like that is just such a no brainer, especially if you want to play Josh Allen, stack him with Davis. Um, you know, Beasley's coming in at 36% ownership. Manuel Sanders, 23. So maybe stack Davis and Sanders with Josh Allen. Bring it back with either Traquan. You know, Traquan's at just under 15%. Or Deontay Harris, 18%. Or you can just play Mark Ingram. It's such a small slate. You don't have to have, like, the traditional correlations. You can get unique. Yeah, dude. I agree. As we're looking at this, the the obvious plays are just jumping out. And not obvious based on points but obvious kind of based on like salary and projected ownership and just seeing like wow this guy is too good of a play to avoid so mm-hmm. anybody else you want to talk about here should we jump over to tight end and then finish things up by building the lineup uh we can go tight end all right here we are at tight end sorted by ceiling again there's, no surprise here. my guy that yeah darren waller Waller at the top, coming in just under 22 projected ceiling. Dalton Schultz, 17. Hawkinson, 15. Dawson Knox, 14. And then you have a a little bump down to Cole Komet, 12. And then it really drops off down to your boy, Juwan Johnson. Nick Vanette, Jimmy Graham, Foster Moreau. And the ownership is essentially in line here with the projections, save for Cole Komet is slightly Projected to be slightly more owned than Dawson Knox. Otherwise, the projected ownership is right in line with the uh, ceiling projections. So, Jake, take me through it, man. So, Darren Waller there, top guy, of course. He is the top dog for this week, no doubt about it. Come in at 6,400. Always a good option. He's the number one passing threat for Las Vegas. Carr loves him. You know, he targets him a ton. Just your problem is his projected ownership. He is gonna he's at forty right now, which clearly is way, way above everyone else. The next guy we got Dalton Schultz coming in at twenty nine. And like you were saying, the ceiling projected ceiling for Schultz takes a little bit of a dip there. He's about five points lower. And with Schultz, he I don't know, he could be a good option with all those other receivers out for Dallas. He could be someone, you know, to get a little different, but sure. His price, he's just He's just expensive. I mean, 5,300, and he hasn't been putting up the greatest you know, points the past couple weeks. He's not really been getting targeted. So I would steer clear of him. And if you were thinking in that price range, I guess I'd go Hawkinson. He's at 5,200. I feel like he gets targeted way more than Schultz does. So he's a guy I would look for if you're willing to go to that price range. And his projected ownership is slightly lower at 23%. But the main guy that I would like to focus on is Juwan Johnson. 2,600. Yeah, his projected ceiling and stuff isn't the greatest right now, but 
it's hard to even guess who's going to go off for the Saints. I mean, Simeon spreads the ball to everyone. We've seen it in every game he started in. Like, he does not have a favorite target based on a week-to-week basis. He's not showing, like, his main guy. So, Juwan Johnson, I feel like, would be a get great play, um, especially if, say, I think Buffalo's defense has one of the higher blitz rates. And if that's the case, you, there's a pretty good feeling that the quarterback then will throw to the tight end more because they're not going to have a lot of time. So if they got to get rid of the ball fast, Jawan Johnson's the guy that Simeon's going to be going to. I mean, if he's got to dump it off really quick. So at 2,600, hard to beat. And then I just love his projected ownership at 8%. It's lower than any of the other starting tight ends this week. Yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised it's so high. I didn't think very many people would be on him because of the uh, Troutman injury coming so late. I thought a lot of people would just be like, oh, shoot, I was hoping to play Troutman, and now he's out. Bummer. I guess I'll just have to play Dawson Knox or something or Cole Komet. Um, 8%, that's a little higher than I thought. You know, and the more I look at this, the more I'm almost thinking, like, maybe tight end isn't where you get cute. I mean, that's just such a big, drastic leap to go from Waller down to Juwan Johnson. Or I mentioned Foster Moreau earlier, too. You know, Foster Moreau caught a touchdown last week, and – there's a lot of variance with tight end, but man, that is tough to give up 18 projected points, you know, in the case of Moreau and 15 projected points in the case of Juwan Johnson, just to get unique, especially after we just looked at receivers and saw how many interesting pieces, you know, and ways there are to play that. So um, not that I disagree with what you're saying. I just, you know, play them with caution, be very cautious because we do have an absolute slate breaker here at tight end this week. On this slate. You know, Waller could score 40 points. I think he did it in the first week. He's already scored 40 this week or this year. So mm-hmm. just keep that in mind, you know, be cautious. But I, I totally agree with you. I think Juwan Johnson, you know, with Troutman being out, that's a sneaky play. He gets red zone looks. Um, you know, Nick Vanette, I guess he plays for New Orleans as well. He's coming in at $100 cheaper and almost similar projections as Juwan Johnson. So I'm not sure if he was getting involved after Troutman went out last week or, or what the case is there, but I'm with you. I'm uh, higher on Juwan Johnson than Nick Vanette. So anyway, those are my parting words there. Let's build a lineup quick. And I guess before we jump into it, let's kind of talk about how we want to approach this. So I'm almost thinking we take this as like a small field tournament approach. I know normally we do a cash lineup, but with this being a unique three game slate, I think maybe we, uh, Work a little more on like a small, at least a skinny stack, you know, do a little more correlation than typical, maybe a bring back and then try to get a little unique just to keep our cumulative ownership under like 160 or so. What do you say? Does that sound good? Yeah, no, I'm cool with that. Sweet. Yeah, normally we just sort by projected ownership and let it ride, but we'll get a little more uh, strategy involved this time. So, Jake, you want to start us off? I got quarterback pulled up, but you can let me know wherever you want to start. Um, let's start with quarterback. Let's lock Mr. Carr in. Love it. So if we're locking Carr in, then I am for sure going to want to get, you know, our boy Darren Waller locked in. So there is our at least a skinny stack. Where do you want to take it from here? And next up we'll go, hmm, let's run a double. Let's go uh, receiver. We'll double sack with Carr, and let's do, let's see. 
How much is... We got Renfro for 56. Edwards is 39. Zay Jones is 3K. Min Sal. And Deshaun Jackson. Oh, I forgot Deshaun Jackson's in Vegas now. So he might... Him and Zay Jones might be kind of cutting into each other's workload. Deshaun's 3,100. Let's go for... Let's go Renfro. He's a pretty good price. I'm like, he's... One of the cheaper high ceiling guys. I like it. Yep. So on the bring back here, um, I will go with Cedric Wilson. I think he jumped out to both of us. $3,500, 15-point ceiling. You know, he's 36% ownership, but that's fine, especially when we're playing him in a stack like this. So, boom, there we go. Ced Wilson. Next. We'll go. Let's go take down a running back here. Yeah, I think running back should be pretty easy for us. We got those three guys at the top, and, I mean, if you want to get creative, we can go wherever you want. But, yeah, who do we want to start with here? Let's go for – let's see if we can get Zeke in and try okay. for that. Okay. I know he's pricey, but I'm just curious if we can make this work. So sure. I'd like to get him in. He's, he's 8K, but I'm like with the game script – we anticipate Dallas being ahead, and I feel like they'll just keep pounding the rock. But if we have to, like, we can switch him out for Tony Pollard, but let's see if we can make this work. I like it, man. I like that strategy. So I'll plug in David Montgomery. He is 6K, so he's saving us $1,300 going down from Swift to Montgomery. He is just under 60% owned. But like I was saying with running back, that's typically not where you want to you know, overthink it. So we have just under 5K remaining. Let's go plug in a defense, and then we'll have our flex spot, and that'll really let us know what we're working with. So I'm sorted here by ceiling. Um, you can see the projected ownership. Um, Chicago's defense is 26% projected ownership. Buffalo, 25% projected ownership. So I would personally like to fade those two, but otherwise – we got Dallas. They have the second highest ceiling. Now, what sucks is we'd be playing a defense against our stack. So I really don't want to do that. That then would leave us with New Orleans. New Orleans coming at 9% owned, 2,900 playing Buffalo. Not really what you're looking to do on paper, but it makes sense. And then we got Detroit, 2,400, or Vegas, 2,400. I'd like to do Detroit, but I mean, yeah, it's dude. That's who going against our. That's who's jumping out at me what, too. What were you saying? Yeah, well, I mean, on a slate like yeah, this, I know it's I'm like gonna... you don't want to play a defense against your stack. You don't want to play a defense against your running back. But we're looking at a three-game slate here. Um, you know, Montgomery is going to be a yeah. beast. That doesn't mean Detroit doesn't get a few turnovers from Justin Fields or Andy Dalton, whoever they throw out there. I like that man. They're only twenty-four hundred dollars. We can get a little leverage. Yeah, I like that. So now we got 6,100 remaining per player. We got our a third wide receiver and a flex to fill in. I'm going to bring up wide receiver and take a look. I mean, Diggs just has such I mean, a high ceiling. Anyone but Diggs. What's that? Well, well I want to put Diggs in. Get anyone. Well, that leaves us okay. 4,300. We still have 4,300. Diggs just has such a, a like slate-breaking potential and such a high ceiling. I really, if I can get him and Waller into every lineup, I just feel like that is going to give me the 
highest potential at a boom. And then, you know, no, that leaves us 4,300 left. So it's one of those things, you know, with 4,300, Trey, uh, Trey Kwan's 44. Never mind. We can't quite get him. Um, you know, we could swap out Zeke for Pollard, and I don't know if that would give us enough to get up to Swift. Should we just try that quick? Swap in Pollard for Zeke and see what that yeah. gives us salary wise? Okay. Let's give it a shot. Let's just see what that gives us. So now we have 6,700 to play with. Um, not, yeah, not enough quite. to get up to Swift. We could get like we could play Mark Ingram. I don't know if that's someone that we really want to play though. We could play Darnell Mooney. Um, yeah, I think we get Zeke back in there. We can find a cheap, cheap wide receiver. So I'm gonna put Zeke in back in at running back, and then we are going to sort by salary in the receiver position and we'll find someone to plug in. How does that sound? All for it. A guy I liked last week when we were watching the game, uh, Monra St. Brown. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Played we were watching that together last week. Well, and even yeah, just and seeing Mike, him play really man. good. Looks elusive, quick God, I apologize, man. My computer is just, I don't know why it's being so slow today. Okay. So we're back over here to receiver. We'll sort by salary. Yeah, Monra, 4,200. Dude, I like that play a lot. Should we plug him in? We have 4,300. Yep. Yeah, we can get a Monra in there. That's awesome. Dude, I like that. And he's coming in at I mean, 6% we got an option ownership. Too. Do you want to think about maybe Marquise Goodwin or Gabe Davis or just roll with that? Dude, not really, man. I really like a Monra. He's a rookie receiver. You know, historically, rookie receivers – come on as the season progresses and we both think he looks good. He's got the talent. He had high draft capital. They don't really have many other options. Chicago isn't a team that really scares me. I think 4,200 is a, like more than fair price for him. And look at the rest of our lineup. It allows us to get Zeke Diggs, and Waller into the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mike, I, I love, I think Amon has a higher floor guys, than we got guys. in. Yeah. Yep. I think if we were playing, uh, Josh Allen, then I would give the tiebreaker to Gabe Davis just for stacking purposes. Um, I think that if we didn't have the 4,200 to play, I I think Goodwin would be probably my favorite dart throw out of those, you know, lower priced guys. But yeah, I think the way our roster is constructed now, I think Amonra looks great, man. So I'm going to save this. I'm going to submit it in every lineup and then uh, should be retired by tomorrow night around 10 p.m., right? Yeah, I'm going to need that, too, because I'm <laughs> definitely going to want to play that lineup in some entries. So. Dude, we've been building some strong lineups this year, so let's hope we keep it rolling here. I'm gonna I think we've been in money one. every single week, haven't we? Every week except the one that I talked to you off of Cooper Cup to play Devontae Adams. That's it. If I would have shut my mouth and just let you make your uh, play, yeah, we would have crushed that. That's the only week we haven't. Otherwise, every lineup we've built on this has been in the money and double-ups, in the massive $25 double-up. Typically, it gets his money in triple-ups, too. So that's the plan tomorrow. Like I said, I'm going to focus on double-ups and multipliers. Um, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to play any tournaments, to be honest. I'll save those for Sunday. We'll get back in the red zone in the SPY and those tournaments that we like to play. But for tomorrow, I'm just going to mass enter as many multipliers as I possibly can afford to and 
probably throw this lineup into most of them. Yeah, good lineup. No, I say this will probably be one that I use for quintuple ups, maybe or something like that. Yeah, ownership's getting a little high. You know that is the reason. I'm looking over. It looks like the cumulative ownership is 328, which is insane. That's like twice as much as what you're typically trying to do. But on a smaller slate, I mean, unless you're going to get really galaxy brain and just fade the field on everything, the plays that jump out are typically the good plays. You know, the heavily owned players are heavily owned because they're good plays. So just stay in the small field stuff. Play in those 100 uh, contestants or lower tournaments, contests, whatever. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just play good lineups, play good plays. I'm sure whoever takes down yep. the, the Spy or the Millie Maker is going to be playing, like, Trevor Simeon with Juwan Johnson and all these crazy Galaxy Brain picks that if they don't hit, I don't know how they're going to live with themselves. You know, I don't, I don't like to build lineups like that. I'd rather build a lineup like this. I'll go play against 28 people, 62 people, and, you know, just know that I'm playing good plays and hoping that, I'm at least different enough from those 30, 60, 100 people. That's my strategy going into tomorrow. No, I'm with you. I think everybody should do that, especially the small slate. Like, pick the contest with low entries, like anywhere from like 20 to 50 maybe, and just play those because there's less things you have to get right in order to make money if you do those contests. Yep, 100%. All right, man. Well, we are just under 50 minutes. That's pretty good, pretty good for an episode we just kind of threw together this morning. Didn't really have a plan of action coming into it, but I think it came together, man, and I feel a lot better about tomorrow now. <laughs> Hopefully you feel the same. Yeah, I feel way more comfortable after spending yeah, time talking over the the model with you, so it always yeah. helps me, I'm sure, in the process as well as everyone else. Yeah, these you know, these uh, smaller slates are kind of a little bit of a different strategy, and I do want to actually read more into how to approach these strategies and learn more too because I feel like you know, I focus so much on the main slates, but there are people that play just the afternoon slate every week. And that's essentially what this is. You know, it's a three game slate. So I think that there's uh, you know, a lot of money to be made in these and it's a way to add another slate to your week. I always look forward to that main slate. That's what I plan on, but we'll see how tomorrow goes. I might be playing some more early games only some afternoon games only. Obviously the main slate is going to be the bulk of uh, my focus, but yeah, man, I'm excited for tomorrow. So that said, Like the video, subscribe to the page, hit the bell. Thanks for hanging with the bros.